at verse 4, and this is, in some ways, it's the end of the shepherding uh, metaphor for the psalm, and then it kind of shifts gears into one of uh, the first four verses. Most people would say that this is the Lord as shepherd, and then uh, 5 and 6, they would say that's the Lord as as host, um, and has a lot of, of uh, hospitality kind of woven into it and stuff like that, and it'll be, it'll be kind of a cool change in direction. Uh, there'll be a little, there's some shepherding overlap, but for the most part, this will be the, kind of the end of the, um, shepherding stuff. So, uh, yeah, let's start, start in verse one. Maybe as we read it, some of our last couple weeks together will, will come back to mind. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, so, uh, as we go through that, and if you are if you haven't been here for a couple weeks or whatever, um, we have everything up on the podcast for the last couple weeks. and um, I would... I'm certainly never going to be one that's like, go listen to my sermons. That's not it at all. Because uh, the sermons are not that are not that great. But the the fact that the Lord, I, I believe He brings very intentional things to us through community groups, through Sunday nights, uh, the songs. I mean, every, everything I think is very much on purpose. And so I know sometimes, there, you know, there's just reasons why people, why well, you can't be here on a Sunday night. Um, but it doesn't mean that, that the words and the things that He has brought to us um, aren't for you just because you weren't here. And so uh, that's a part of why uh, Adam Zapp goes to all the trouble to um, to put it up on the podcast and Nate um, and uh, Dave do they They record it and Zapp puts it on the podcast and all that stuff. Um, it's so that we can fill in some of those gaps because uh, I believe he's taking us as a church family in a direction. And so um, I would encourage you to get the content and uh, all that kind of stuff. So um, so I'm not going to review. Uh, you can just go check that on your own. Um, but the bottom line is that David, being a professional shepherd, is um, obviously um, using his just his poetic skill and, and is connecting with the, the fact that just like he is a shepherd to his flock, God is a shepherd to him. And there are in similar ways that David tends to those sheep, God tends to him. And so he's putting all that out, uh, out there. In verse 4... Um, this is, you know, certainly one of like a very well known part. This is a lot of times at funerals you hear this uh, discussed, um, and so we're talking about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, this this is really a, it's a it's a beautiful way of basically saying like um, the most difficult things in life. Like as I walk through the most difficult and painful things that life has to offer. And that life brings me. Um, that's kind of where he's shifted to, and so it's not not necessarily saying like when he um, when he brings me to death's doorstep, you know, or whatever. It's not really that, 
Um, he's describing what would probably be the thing that most people fear the most, uh, which would be death. And and it's kind of what's going on here. And we'll put we'll put verse four up there. We'll, let's just, we'll just leave it up there. Um, when when you are a shepherd, apparently, as I've read a little bit this week, um, especially in that part of the country, you're at different times of the year. You have to move your flocks to different places based on uh, like based on the weather and when it's dry and when it's versus when it's um, you know rainy and all this kind of stuff. You're you're moving moving your flocks, and so you might um, remember there's a couple of times when like in the Old Testament when they go and they need they need David for something, and he is off with the flocks somewhere else. Um, there's kind of home base, and so there'd be kind of like your home ranch or whatever, and your property or whatever it was that you would graze them, you know, close to home. Certain times of the year, it was time to drive. You would drive the sheep uh, into like into better pastures and better waters and, and whatever. And so you would be away from home uh, for you know a couple of months or whatever. And that was just kind of a part of part of how it was. And so we've probably all seen you know movies uh, about cattle drives or. Uh, remember the Cowboys? You ever see the Cowboys, John Wayne? It's awesome. You see it. Uh, or City Slickers, probably. No? It's like a remake. Total remake. Uh, no. Um, but, uh, but you do the same thing with, with sheep. And so, so you, um, you get them all ready to go and you kind of get your stuff together and the group of shepherds would, they would drive them. They would, would lead them into like better places. And so when David, when he talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death, this is, is, is probably, uh, as most, most people believe that this is connecting to how scary some of those, uh, some of those drives could be. That when you're, you're leading your sheep through, the sun begins to set, uh, behind the mountains and it gets very, very dark. And there's all kinds of, there are all kinds of predators that are out there. You can't really see where you're going. Um, you never know who, if, if there are robbers that were there or whatever. There's just all kinds of dangers that come with, with traveling in these valleys as they're moving, moving the herds through. Um, and, and so most of, of what I've read seems that people just tend to believe that that would be probably the most fearful thing for the shepherd as they're moving their flocks through is going into this complete darkness and, uh, and just not knowing what's out there, not knowing if you can protect the sheep and all this kind of stuff, you know, just very, very stressful time. And so David's kind of saying, okay, as I walk through, if that's the worst part of being a shepherd, like that's like the most, um, tense, and uh, fearful circumstance that maybe he's equating that into life that when you know maybe the equivalent in life would would be like things like death and grief or sickness or there's just all kinds of stuff that could be there um and and i don't want to like put a label on it you know so we're not talking about like death tonight whatever whatever it is for you whatever would be the most just the most painful difficult thing to walk through that would fit into this verse um as i walk through the most difficult things that life has to offer Saying I will, I will fear no evil. That's a that's a powerful that's a powerful statement to make. That no matter no matter what comes, uh, no matter what I have to walk through, uh, I'm not going to be afraid. And I think that word "through" is real important to to recognize and to and to that's the final destination is not the the valley of the shadow of death. It's just you have to walk through that stuff sometimes. As as they're driving their herds, they have to go through these these like big valleys and that's just a part of it um and he's just saying okay well it's a part of life as well i'm just not going to be afraid um and so we need to think about this for a second about what he's saying um 
one of the commentaries that I was reading was talking about how uh, it's very it's like common knowledge among shepherds in this, especially in this part of the world, that you don't you don't just like take your your sheep. You don't just set out on a destination and you just you don't wing it. You know, you know exactly like shepherds know exactly where they're going and they know exactly how to get there. They know when to move and when not to move. They know when the sun's going to go down and you know when it's safe, when it's not safe, and all this kind of stuff. And that really got me thinking. Um, not so much about the valley of the shadow of death part, um, a little bit about the I will fear no evil part, but especially about the for you are with me. Um, saying I will not be afraid because because you are with me. There's so much of of where our Sunday nights and uh, community groups have been lately dealing with fear as as like a root issue stuff, you know. Um, we talked about anger, you know, a couple weeks ago, and and how there's like a tremendous amount of fear at the base of our anger, and uh, I never really thought about it that way, but it's, it's incredibly true, you know. We're angry because we're afraid. We're anxious because we are afraid. We're uh, we're we're timid because we're afraid. We're insecure because we're afraid. Um, there's so much that we battle that really at the bottom of those things, you get down to those core issues. It's, we're just terrified so often. And so here's David saying, um, I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I can walk through the worst possible thing life has to bring, and I'm just I'm not going to be afraid because you are with me. It's the it's the presence of the shepherd that erases his fear. And I really like I I know I've talked about that in the last couple weeks, like here and there, but I, I would really it was just kind of stunning, you know, a little bit. The presence of God as his shepherd in his life makes his fear go away. He doesn't say, um, because the Lord's my shepherd, I'll never have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's like, no, no. As, even though I walk through there, as I walk through there, I just won't be afraid. Doesn't mean I'll like it. You know, it doesn't mean it'll be full of joy and all this kind of stuff. Like, it may, you know, he doesn't say that. He just says, as I walk through it, uh, I won't be afraid. Because you're with me. So, so I was, I was thinking, thinking about that. Okay, I was like, why would the presence, presence of God, the presence of Jesus, the presence of whatever, um, why would that make, how does that, how does that make our fear go away? Um, go to, flip over to Psalm 139. You, we'll go back to 23 in a second. This is the same author. Now we're gonna we're gonna put up uh, a verse uh, Second Peter, chapter three, real quick, um, before we go to one thirty nine. But you don't have to turn to it. Um, we we the Lord is not just any shepherd. Okay, Second Peter three eight is what it says. Um, it says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. One day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as one day. That a thousand years ago is just as vivid to the Lord as yesterday. Okay? I can't remember last Sunday very well. But to the Lord, every day, just, it's just equal detail 
He knows every every single thing about it. He doesn't have a a memory. He doesn't have to uh, try and like remember. You know, he didn't keep a journal so he has to can go back and remember what he did on that day or whatever. He can tell you exactly what happened a hundred years ago on this day, a thousand years ago in this day. Um, it's perfect recall because he he does not function in moment by moment time like we do. He experiences all time, and, and it's like all at the same time, which is so mind-blowing. And there's a movie in there somewhere, but I don't even know how you do it, because I think everybody would, it would not make any sense. Like, how do, you, how do you see every moment at one time? Well, you have to be the holy God of the universe to do that. But He does. We're moment by moment. He knows that. He interacts with us moment by moment. Okay, But for Him, He is outside of time. All right? Um, then we go to 139 where I, where I told you to go. You just lost it. Um, sorry, verse 1. Oh Lord, you've, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. Okay? So He knows when you get up, when you go to sleep. Far away, He knows what you're thinking. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Every one of them. Um, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is huge. I cannot attain it. Okay? He, he knows everything. He knows everything. So he's outside of time, seeing all of time at one at once, but also he's perfectly knowledgeable about every single thing. So every single one of us, it's not that he hears you say something. He knows, he knows that minute like fraction of a second that that happens when you think it before you say it. He he's he's in that. He knows that. He knows every detail. Um, he knows everything about it. So he's one hundred percent completely knowing all the time, without exception, everything everything that's going on. Look at verse seven. Um, where shall I go from your spirit? Where, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. My, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall guide me. Your right hand shall hold me. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. All the time. And so, if we, if, if we, Press all three of those things together, okay? He's everywhere, all the time, okay? He's just as, this is still as freaks me out, he's just as present in this room as he is in heaven at this very moment. We tend to think it's like 100% of God in heaven and like 78% during a church service and it kind of goes down a little bit and whatever. It doesn't fluctuate. It's 100% all the time. It's it's more evident in heaven. He's he reveals more of his presence there. Uh, he's fully revealed there. Um, it he doesn't fully reveal everything here, uh, but it doesn't mean he's not really present. We're just we're just not we're just not that smart, you know. We're just not clued in enough. And so that's what it always irks me when people are, when people you know we think of church services as like let's let's go into the Lord's presence. It's like you're already in the Lord's presence. Let's just let's just get a clue about his presence. Maybe should write a worship song about that. You know? Let's get a clue about his presence today. You know? 
in the house of the Lord, which is not, that's another phrase that drives me crazy. God's house. Okay. Um, and so, he's everywhere. And because he's everywhere, he knows everything. And he's at every moment in time, all, all at once. So we're going moment by moment like this, one after the other. He sees the entire thing at once. Alright? Push all that together into the one who has, is responsible for your care and your provision. That's, that's your shepherd. He knows every moment, every detail. He's everywhere, sees everything. So you're going through the valley of the shadow of death and you can't see what's in front of you and you don't know what's next, but he absolutely does. Because it's just who he is. That's why he says, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. The eternal, outside of time, omnipresent, omniscient one is with me. He's with me. And as a shepherd leads his flock through these valleys and through these dangerous, like through the cliffs and through the unknown, whatever, um, the presence of the shepherd leading them, the sheep follow along because they trust him. And David is saying that that's the same, it's the same exact thing with me. I walk through the hardest stuff imaginable and I'm not afraid. Why? Because the omniscient, omnipresent, eternal one is in front of me with a shepherd's crook and a club and ready to like take care of business. Or why in the world would I be afraid? One of the things I was reading said that that shepherds would uh, they would they would take a scouting trip before they would bring their flock. That they would walk the journey that where they were going, and they would would make a note of of where the dangerous parts were, where they saw um, maybe like uh, animal tracks and different things or whatever. They would and they would, would map out their entire journey and have everything perfectly planned because um, they were not going to lead their sheep to a place they hadn't already been. Because that would be that would not be good for the sheep. It's just, it's the same. God does that. He's not leading us into a places in places he hasn't been because he's outside of time. He's already there. He's there in all detail. He's controlling all of it. It's all there. It's all there. It's all there. We don't know what's next. He knows what's next. But what, like the heart, like the hardest thing, like the rub that comes in with this is the fact that for a lot of times, all of us, that's just not good enough. It's like we, we like detach from that reality and we say, that sounds really good and it preaches well and it, whatever, and it's, it's warm, fuzzy, whatever. But when, when push comes to shove, like, I, I, that's just not enough for me. And I think that's because we don't, we don't have the, the self-discipline to look for the Lord in those difficulties. We, we think we do. A lot, a lot of times we just really don't, you know. That's that's what we need. You know? We need to be we need to be the kind of of disciples who are looking to to the the rabbi all the time. You know, that's the um, one of the things when I, I was in Israel, we would see you'd see a rabbi um, walking around, and there'd be like a couple of uh, like his students would just follow around behind him, and so if he was walking along, if he stopped, like they stopped. If he looked at something, they looked at something. Sometimes he would turn around, he would teach them something or whatever, and, and they're just soaking up every word. 
You'd see all these little groups everywhere. And that's because, like, that's what following a rabbi would, would entail. You would, you would, like, come under the discipleship of a rabbi, and your whole job was to, like, follow him around, watch everything that he did, listen to everything that he said, and you imitate him, like, down to the most minute detail. That's, that's what you were going for. And so when Jesus says, come, come follow after me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow me, that's what he's saying. He's invited, he said, you come around, you listen to everything I say, you watch everything I do, and you imitate me, in, like, down to the most minute detail. You, I'll train you, I'll train you in my way. That's, that's what we're going for. That's what this is all about. But unfortunately, in those moments, that's when we we take our eyes off the rabbi. You know, we 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 hit something super stressful. Our anxieties are go up and all this kind of stuff. Basically, our fear shoots through the roof. And however it shows up for you, it's, it's different. You know, anger, stress, uh, insecurities, this and this and this, whatever, pride, whatever. Uh, but our fear goes through the roof. And and instead of instead of being the the disciples who are like, I'm gonna, I need to watch my rabbi in this moment. We um we basically just take our eyes down somehow. Or if you think of it like like a sheep, the sheep's following along, the sheep's watching the shepherd up ahead. Um, when our fear shoots through the roof, instead of looking at the shepherd for comfort and for whatever, we just kind of like drop our eyes down. And basically, we go from looking at him to looking in the mirror. Is really what happens. And we get so self-absorbed. And then we start to always think, God's left me, or He's mad at me, and this and this and this, and this is karma, you know, of course, you know, whatever, and all this garbage that's in there. Um, when I believe the whole time, I, I think Jesus is is wanting us to be like, "Hey, omnipresent, omniscient, eternal. I'm in it. I'm I'm more in it than you're in it. I know what's ahead, and you don't. Let let just the fact that I'm I'm with you. Let your fears subside. I was I was thinking this week." Uh, especially with like baby dedication and stuff, and people walk around, you know, all the parents and got the babies in the carriers, you know. Every time I see one, and sometimes I say it, and I probably shouldn't, but I'm like, man, that's the life, you know. You get fed, you get changed, you get to sleep a lot, you get away with murder, you're the center of attention, like it's just everything revolves around you. It's just the life, and they're awesome. And that, you know, kind of made me made me think about just back to when I was. When I was young, and so, um, you know, I think a lot of us, uh, a lot of you could maybe relate that that when you have when you have awesome parents, um, you aren't a stressed out kid, you know, like you're you're worried about like homework and like relationships and like making the ball team, and, like all this kind of stuff. But like, you don't like lose sleep all, you know what I'm saying? Like you're not you don't have ulcers when you're a sixth grader, you know. Sixth graders that have like like all this stress and all this worry, they have they have they come from terrible homes. People who come from good homes, you just you just sleep at night. Why? Because you know, like mom and dad, they got it. It's fine. And I was was, you know, it's just been it's been a rough rough two weeks, uh, in just a lot of ways or whatever. And, um, just a lot of stuff going on. And, and so I have those, this is all going somewhere, I promise. So I have those thoughts of the babies and the carriers, and then me when I was younger, and I was like, man, I, I just, I miss those days when, 
when I had no stress and no worries and I didn't lose sleep at night and I wasn't just, you know, burn the candle at both ends. And I missed the days when I was, where my biggest worries were like, will I make an A on this test or not? And that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I, I just, I missed the days of just knowing mom and dad had everything covered and I could just chill. And in that, in that moment, I mean, the Lord was like, oh, that's, that's kingdom life, Josh. That's life in the kingdom. It's the same exact thing. You're a baby in a carrier. You're a sixth grader who lives in a home with, with good parents who are, are taking care of things. Um, it's, it's me. Like, I'm, I'm your king. And even though life, life gets more complicated and we grow up and we go through things, and, and yeah, they're, they're more difficult and all that, but we have no, there's not, nothing to fear at all. When we're afraid it's because we've taken our eyes off of the one who's in control of things. And we're looking in that mirror and we become self-absorbed. So it's just it's just like that. It's just like that. You shouldn't be afraid. That's beautiful and super challenging to me, you know. So I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Just His presence. Just His presence erases fear. And the next part, look at the next, go back to 23. The next part. It says, Your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. Um, these are the, basically the, the tools of the trade for shepherds. Um, you, you, they would go and they would, basically, like the rod was really, it's really like more of a club, you know. Like they would take a tree and they, or they go find a little tree or whatever somewhere and they would, they cut it down and they would fashion in like this club and it would, it would like fit their hand like just right, you know? And it needed to be something that they could, that was not like super heavy, but also not like, not so light, you know? They needed to be able to, um, if there's like a wolf coming in, like they would practice like just like, like chucking that thing at the wolf and they would get like as accurate as they could possibly be. Um, so, they see a wolf coming after their sheep. They could, you know, at a distance, like hit hit that sucker or scared or whatever. Um, also, if they got close, it was close enough to them or you know whatever. Uh, so the rod was really like a club that was used uh, for protection. Um, sometimes it was used for discipline with your own sheep uh, to correct them or you know kind of you know whack them around or you know whatever. I don't know. Uh, but um, it, it was like the the shepherd carrying that rod or that club. Was, was the sign of authority, you know? And, like, I know that kids and sheep are not the same thing. Um, but I remember in, when I was in elementary school, our principal, uh, his name was Mr. Wilkins at Bellingrath Hills Elementary. And Mr. Wil, remember him? Yeah. Just kidding. Um, Mr. Wilkins, there's, there are two things. One, uh, he would, when he would come around, if he thought things were too noisy, he would, he would hold up four fingers, and then he would go to two fingers. And then four fingers and two fingers. And we never knew what 42 meant. Other than the fact that you better be quiet. I don't know the significance of the number. Maybe he was playing a joke on all of us. But when he came around, if he did 42, it was too loud, and it was about to get quiet. And it, it worked. But another thing that he would do, he would he would carry uh, he had a paddle 
Marilyn, what's up? Good to see you. Uh, he would carry this paddle. And, uh, and it was, you know, like I come from the paddle generation, um, where it, your parents could sign a paddle card to where, like, if you got in trouble, they could whip you at school. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if they could do that anymore. Uh, probably not, cause whatever. But, uh, that's the generation I came from. And so Mr. Wilkins, in addition to 42, he would just walk around sometimes with that paddle in his hand. Like this reminder of like, I, I can hit every one of you. You know? <laughs> and we heard the horror stories about getting paddled and all that kind of stuff. And I think that, I think it's a similar thing with the shepherd in that club. That for the, for the sheep, um, there, maybe, I mean, it's impossible to know if the sheep really thought this, but to shepherds, them having that club made the sheep feel secure. That if anything was going to come in, it was going to get clubbed. And if any of the sheep got out of line, they were, they were going to get clubbed. There was some, there was some, uh, this, it was a symbol of authority and power, uh, not in a power trip way and not in, a, in an adverse way, in a, in a good way, that that was beneficial to the sheep to know that the shepherd is there and he's got, he's got the club. You know? um, so that's the rod. The staff, is that's what you think of, like the shepherd's crook. You know? And the staff was, it had a different, a different function. Um, sometimes the, the, the staff was used, the reason it had the, the hook in it, if, um, if you, you have like, like little, little babies that are there, um, and let's say they kind of get separated or, or whatever. Uh, you don't want to pick up one of the babies and put it next to the mama because um, the mom could reject the baby because it smells like a person. You know, kind of like birds do that and different things. Uh, so they would use the shepherd's crook and they would pick up those little lambs and move them and get them back close to mama. They would. It was. It was just. It was very gentle. You know, that was. Uh, that was a part of what it was for. But another thing they they would use is as the sheep are going along, the shepherd would he'd take that staff and he and he would. He just kind of reached out sometimes and used it to just kind of touch the touch the sheep as they were going, um, and in the mind of of a lot of shepherds, according to what I've read, in their mind that sheep is assured of his presence by by feeling by feeling that staff, you know, touch him on the back and kind of guide him and whatever. The the staff of a shepherd is it's symbolic of caregiving. He's letting them know, like, I'm, I'm here, I'm here, we're gonna go this way, and he's kinda of moving them along, that's, it's caregiving. So the rod and the staff, you put those, those ideas together, you have power and authority, and you have caregiving and love. So as I walk through the most difficult things in life, I'm not afraid, because your presence is there. And I see this, I, I see the staff, I see the rod, and, and I'm, I'm comforted by that. And I was thinking, okay, what is it, what does it, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know? And I don't, I don't know if this is what it means or not, but where the Lord brought me was, maybe those sheep, or actually probably more, maybe in David's mind, he said, he said, the sheep, they've seen, they've seen what happens with the club. And they've experienced what happens with the staff. So maybe in David's mind, it was basically saying, like, look, they've seen me be their faithful shepherd with these two tools. So not only am I standing among them, and I'm leading them forward, but they've seen me demonstrate my skill, 
my power, my authority, my care for them, my love for them. And that kind of all boiled down to this for me, for this verse uh, to pass on to you, is that as we walk through whatever, it could be the worst, it could be not so bad, it could be the best. That the Lord, He is present and He is faithful. He's present with us. He's near. He's always, always there. He never sleeps, never slumbers, never leaves us, forsakes us. He's faithful. We've seen demonstrations of His power. We've seen demonstrations of His authority. We've seen demonstrations of His of His care. We have His presence, and we have demonstrations of His faithfulness right there. And sometimes he's gonna he's gonna say we're we're gonna walk through this valley. It's gonna be dark. It's gonna be difficult. You're not gonna love every every second of it. Um, you don't have anything to be afraid of. So the, the question for me is, well, hey Josh, why why are you so afraid all the time? You know, not like trembling in the corner afraid, but just why? Why do my fears and insecurities and anxieties, why does, why does that get the best of me? Why am I living in my own kingdom instead of sleeping soundly at night knowing that the God of the universe is my shepherd and He watches over me and He's making me lie down in green pastures and He has restored my soul and because He's my shepherd, I don't lack anything. Why, why don't I just chill, <laughs> you know? And I think it's because because I take my eyes off of him. I'm not disciplined enough to find him. Like when my fear shoots up, be like, I, I need to find, I need to find Jesus. I need to find him in this. Where are you in this? Where are you? Where are you? I know you're here. And even if I don't see him, I know that I know that he's there. Um, he's present and he is faithful. You know, we we have this cross set up in the back corner back there, and has all these pop popsicle sticks on it. And um, a couple of years ago, you know, we were meeting in, the, in one gym at Parkview, and we couldn't meet in there. We met in the sanctuary, and uh, like two or three times, Parkview was like, "We need both the gym and the sanctuary." So they had this like super nice gym that they didn't want us to use at all, but that was like our like third location, and but it was real different. And so, like, all right, if we're gonna go over there, let's do something different. We set these stations up. Um, we had a, a we based it around faith, hope, and love, and so um, so we had the music going the whole time, and it was it was like it was like weird to some some people thought it was the most amazing thing ever, and some people were like, let's never do that again. Uh, so hopefully, uh, maybe there's a little bit of both, but anyway, there's faith, hope, love. Love was a communion station. Uh, hope was uh, it was this cool. We like wrote these prayers on these blocks, and then we put them in this fire uh, to you know like the prayers like go up to heaven kind of deal. I don't know. And, uh, uh, but the, that cross comes from the faith station. And at the faith station, we had a big cross laying on the table and all the popsicle sticks. And, and, and so we just had people write down, uh, what, what has God done in your life that is a reason, like it's a reason for you to trust Him. Like, I can trust Him because I've been, like, He's walked me through this. He did this in my life. That's a reason. And so we wrote, wrote those things on the, on the sticks and then we, we tacked them onto the cross because it's only through the cross that any of that stuff happened. And, and so, um, 
you know, at the end of the night, you know, like, I don't know, I, I think it was, I think it was a pretty incredible night in a lot of ways. And, uh, it was just real, real good, real, real healthy, real different or whatever. So we're picking everything up and like, well, oh, we got this big giant cross. You know, what do you do with the cross with everything, all these reasons? You, know, you can't like dismantle it. You know, you can't, I don't know. So we're like, let's, let's set it up somewhere. And it just made sense to put it next to where where we take prayer requests back there. The idea that if you're you're there, you're writing a prayer request on a table, and you're in the shadow of not only the cross, but dozens and dozens of reasons to trust him for whatever it is you're writing on that prayer request card. And so we moved over here. We're like, we got we got to make sure the cross is there. When we go to Grace Baptist in February, we're going to find a place for that cross. And we lug that thing out every week. Put it back in. We beat up the walls back there and stuff like that. Why? Because we need that stuff. We, we can't lose sight of, of His faithfulness. That, everything that's nailed back there onto that cross, those, it's example after example of, of His rod and staff being comforting to us. That club, that shepherd's crook, like demonstrations of His faithfulness and His presence to us. That should that should make a difference for us. And I, I I know I say this every week, but I mean it every week. Like I don't I don't know where where it fits in with you tonight. You know, like I don't know where where this meets you. Like you might be like, man, I've had the best week of my life. I don't this doesn't even apply. It absolutely applies. It's not just, it's not about the valley of the shadow of death. It's not about the worst things ever. It's all the time, 100%. He was fully present and fully faithful all the time. So why, why are you afraid? Why are you hesitant? Why are you anxious? We have to find, we have to keep the eye, our eyes on the rabbi. We sing so many songs here. About, about this, lifting our eyes, keeping our eyes on Him, looking at Him and His faithfulness. I mean, it's just like we're going to sing some in a minute. Like, it's just, it's such an important thing for us. But can you, can you say verse 4 over your own life? Can you say, I'm walking through this right now, but I will not be afraid because He is with me. I've seen His faithfulness and I'm comforted by that. Can you say His presence and His faithfulness are enough? So, I'm not going to be afraid. There might be some other stuff. I'm not going to be afraid. There's this line in the song the song we're going to sing here in a second. And it says uh, um, something Every step, every step, something like this. Every step we're breathing in your grace. Evermore we'll be breathing out your praise. And two times on Matt Redman's album, he uses that, that deal of like breathing something in awesome about the Lord and like breathing out like praise because, because of that, you know? Um, I don't know if he just liked that idea so much, you want to use it twice or whatever. I love it. The idea of every step through a valley. His presence and His faithfulness, we're, we're taking that in and we're letting that make a difference in how we walk through stuff. I love it. I love it. It's challenging. 
But when you see the progression of verse 1 to 2 to 3 to 4, and you press all that stuff together, and we recognize who our shepherd is, um, he, he wants us to, to sleep at night. You know, He wants us to be like that baby in the carrier. That's life in the kingdom. Um, so let's, maybe let's search for his, like, maybe let's acknowledge his presence. Let's wake up to the reality that he is with us and walking us through things, that he's leading us through. And uh, let's let that be real for us. So um, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to go. Sound good? All right. Lord, uh, we we look to you, um, and admittedly, uh, we don't we don't fully understand uh, the stuff that we walk through, the, especially the difficult stuff, you know, that valley of the shadow of death kind of stuff. Um, and I'm certain that there are some folks here who are they're there. Um, there's probably a, a lot more who are who are doing okay, but they're just I don't know battling through different, different things. Um, Every one of us, this still applies. That your presence is in your faithfulness. I mean, you're fully present, fully faithful all the time. And our need is, uh, is to set our eyes on you. To not be the kind of sheep who are walking through this stuff self-absorbed, but we're we're just letting the fact that our shepherd is he's already been where we're going. You've already been there. You know what's next. You're protecting us. Anything that's going to come at us, you're going to handle it. That that club and that staff, I mean it, it's in full effect. You are you're that faithful shepherd. So I ask that you that you just show us like help us clue into your nearness so that we will lie down in the green pastures that you have led us to we'll recognize we lack nothing and, uh, that our fears will be put to rest just by your presence